You've found it, and we are ready to rise with you. Rise with Sid McNary. This podcast is an extension of the Art of Peaceful Living movement. Get ready to enjoy, be empowered, and elevate your life as we rise together. Grab your beverage of choice. No matter where you are, the time is now. Here he is, your leader for a better today. Rise with Sid McNary. It's time we start living your dream. Fruit punch clears blindness. See the beauty in the world. And it was something that Glenn said in our last podcast show that, and he talked about it. And Glenn, those of you that aren't aware of Glenn, go back and listen. Glenn loves making jokes and he makes makes jokes that are based on truths that are just funny and actually can lead to something good. So like imagine that fruit punch was the answer to curing blindness. Okay, that you can make a joke out of that because if it happens, that's a, it's actually a really good thing. And I feel that I'm one that typically I don't tell jokes, I laugh at the truth. And so as we were talking, uh, and he was talking about it because of something that has happened in my life. I've actually lost my sight twice. Once when I was 15, And more recently, uh, at this time in my life, it's now been a year, a year March that I got my sight back because I had lost it uh, completely uh, up until that point, a few uh, months or actually it was declining for years. And and so anyway, what came up for me is I, I went through that and I think that's kind of the basis of this conversation is I learned to see the beauty of the world. And that was something that I couldn't even see when I had my sight. I was, I know that I created, which I create everything in my life. I know that I created the loss of my sight in order for me to actually learn to see the beauty of everything as well as to be able to see how things were operating in my life. And so that was just a huge thing for me. The second thing I would say was in losing my sight uh, outside of seeing the beauty of it, I had to type tap into other senses. I, I know I'll always remember the day because the day that I finally said, all right, doc, I'm gonna let you clean out the rest of this because I've done as much as I can to recover my sight and it's not here. It's actually gone to nothing. The day before Valentine's day, I went to record a TV show conversations with Sid and I couldn't see. So Liz drove, uh, and I kind of, she would, we had already managed how we were going to operate, like get in front of me. There's Liz. She pops in in this moment. She's probably going to drop down. See, it's all predictable. And so, uh, I said, all right, I'll follow you around and and I'll be able to navigate things based on there you are. If we set up the way I know the room will be, then I will be able to work it no matter what. So I made sure there were two chairs to my left, two chairs to my right. And now the trick was, even if I did have a glimpse of possibly seeing, 
these lights were so bright and brightness made it worse for me to see. So all of a sudden we go through, we end up, long story short, we end up uh, shooting the show. And now I got so present that I saw everything. I was able to see everything from another vantage point. I could see, I wasn't looking through my eyes, but I could see everyone where they were. So much that at the end of shooting the four, it was a full day of shooting. And at the end of shooting the four shows, they said, okay, hey, are you staying the night? Uh, we'd love to celebrate and this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, I, I gotta go. I, I actually can't see you all. And I didn't tell anyone before then. They were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm having surgery tomorrow so I can see in one of my eyes. And, and they were like, no, that's impossible. You were, you were directing everything. So I, in the midst of this loss of sight, I got to see the beauty of the world. And I got, this is two of the things that I'm just going to bring forward. And then as things come, I might bring something else forward. And I, I was able to access other senses and other ways. And so that's really what happened. I began to see outside of myself from an oversight, an overseeing um, that I never would have, not in my wildest dreams would I have been able to actively be in both places at once, meaning in my body and seeing outside of myself. I've done them separately, but to be able to do that in, in one scoop was like, whoa, okay. And, uh, and then after getting home and Valentine's Day and having surgery and, and I called my doc, this is the last thing I'll say. I called my doc and said, hey, this tape on my face is really itching. Do you mind if I take it off? I'm not gonna scratch my eye, I'm not gonna mess with my eye. I just need to take it off so that I can scratch underneath this tape. And he said, yes. And now I, I've been told I'm the worst patient on the planet uh, from other doctors. <laughs> and so when I took it off, I was like, wait a minute, I have, my eye was closed and I was like, I have this off. I can't see the TV in my other eye. So I just gotta know, am I gonna be able to see or not? And I was like, I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to sneak a peek and then I'll put the patch back on. So I was laying next to Liz and, uh, and I took the patch off and I snuck a peek and, and it was the first, the first thing I saw was Liz. And it was, my wife is beautiful. I've always known that. And yet when I saw her, took my breath away. I had never seen the beauty of God's world to that moment. And that's what this is about is, is really this conversation is about how do we shift into seeing the beauty of God's world that's already here that will actually heal everything that we've ever been through. And with that, I'll pass it to you, Michelle. Thanks, Pete. Well, first of all, Sid, um, thank you for sharing that part of your life and your journey and and your wife's because you know i have no i have no ability to in a way understand it except through the perception that you're giving me right now because i've i've always been sighted uh and the closest i could come to it is you know times when i've for an extended period of time 
you know, blindfolded myself to do trance dancing or things like that. And that's a choice. And I guess we could say, and it sounded like you might have been saying in some ways, like this was created for you to have the experience so that you could then, you know, see whatever it was you needed to see. Uh, And in doing so, you know, could physically see. Um, But I, I can't really understand it. And it's, it's mind boggling. um, The beauty, the beautiful way in which you worked through it. Uh, And the way I hear you honoring it even now, because a lot of people might have a victim conversation about it, and they would be not wrong to have it. And, you know, but it isn't a place that we are empowered if the circumstance, you know, is bigger than we are. And in in my own life, I've had a couple of times where I've been in the hospital where I've had those moments where, you know, I've been told something and had a chance to see what's my reaction. You know, where do I go? How how am I experiencing it? And to watch the fear come up and, you know, to to have that kind of I don't know, existential death moment, you know, even if it's just about my jaw locking open, for example. Um, and so to hear how you move through it, like with the grace that you did and in a way like the dignity and yeah, even if you're a tough patient, <laughs> um, it's, it's inspiring for me. And, you know, I, I am so grateful that you got your sight back oh my gosh, that you can be in Florida and see the sun rises and the sun sets and see it set on Liz's beautiful face and understand the truth of the beauty of being in a sighted world. Um, And so, you know, for me, I guess I can only say that I appreciate Glenn's humor, Glenn being able to take a moment where we're talking about something like this and to add some joy, to add some humanity, some peace that allows our hearts to connect. Because I think laughter does that. I think laughter, I don't know, someone would have to look it up. It probably releases either serotonin or oxytocin. I don't know which of the tonins it it releases, but it probably does. And in that, we can connect even more deeply um, than just simply hearing about it as an intellectual exercise. Um, But so that's what that's my response to you, and I'm just so grateful for who you are and for taking your message out the way you do, um, and your conviction of the heart in this and other matters. You know, because it's really important for all of us to be having these dialogues, not just the dialogues of politics uh, uh, and and division, uh, but of you know what it is to heal, of what it is to be whole and complete, and despite circumstances that arise for us. Awesome. And I'll just say this. One, we have amazing people on the stage today. Jacqueline Way, Amanda, Celeste, Lee, Aaron, and Adewale. And and so I'm going to just leave this open for anyone to unmic when when the time fits and and share into this. And and one thing that, that you brought up that I said, and you continue to add into that, this idea of creating the world, my world, 
for my evolution. I needed that. I needed that moment to be able to reflect and say, okay, now, now what? What, what happens after this? Because like I said, I've lost my sight twice in my life, 15. Uh, at that time, when I, what I was going through at 15 years old, leaving home to go play soccer over in England and losing my sight with my parents in, in Maryland, in D.C., and, uh, and having to face that. And in that moment at 15, my dad was like, hey, do I need to come to England? And I said, no. No, I remember. And and what I had remembered was at three years old, I had surgery and I went to the light and the voice said, I've got you. Go do what you have to do. I got you. And I, at 15, I was able to remember. And I said to my dad, God's got me. I'm good. I'll let you know when it's over. <laughs> and uh, And then here I am now where I had, at the beginning of losing my sight, I was doing anything and everything to, to figure out what was going on. Uh, so much that I had even committed to surgery beforehand and was like, nah, nah, I need to, I need to walk this. And so when they first said I could have surgery, that they thought they could fix it, uh, they sent me to a physician. Now I hadn't. I'm the type of person that if I'm not sick, I, I'm going to handle it. <laughs> if I if I don't know how to handle it, then I'll go find someone to handle it. So I went to the pre-surgery check-in and they said, hey, uh, your blood sugar, my A1C was at 17, which is off the charts. And only the charts only go to 11 because after that, you're teetering on death. And my blood sugar was at uh, 700 again, which also led to partially why instantly, because it just spiked to all of this stuff. And so he said, you're, you're, we need to put you on insulin. We need to get you on metformin, all these things. And I was like, dude, no, uh, I, don't, I don't take anything for the rest of my life. I won't be hooked on anything. And he's like, dude, you can't be this stubborn. And I was like, yeah, I can. Watch me. He's like, no, 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 really, we have to save your life. And I was like, ah, okay, fine. Write the scripts. I'll go to the. I'll go to the pharmacist. I went to the pharmacist, and and they said, uh, okay, the insulin's going to cost you four hundred dollars. This for Biden uh, made this big shift on the cost of insulin, and. And I was like, 400? Hell no. I'm not giving you $400 for a month of something that I don't really know what it's going to do. And then my friend told me that I could go to PetSmart and I could spend $8 if I really wanted to do the insulin. It's the same insulin. I could go buy it for $8. So obviously something's wrong with this whole picture. Nope, won't do it. So then I went home and I ran an experiment on myself. I did a little more than I needed to, but I ate baking soda ate it, six tablespoons of it, drank it with water. Those that have ever done a volcano in your high school experiments, it explodes, instantly takes you back to alkaline, but it's dangerous. So I'm not recommending this for anyone, this is Sid. So 
I'm exploding like a volcano. Uh, it's coming out of every orifice possible. <laughs> and and uh, exactly, exactly. And so then within a moment, I went from 700 blood sugar and I'd, I'd shifted everything and dropped it down to 200s. And then by the time I went back to the doc, because they were like, we got to get this down in two weeks. I went back and they're like, dude, how'd you get in the hundreds with your blood sugar? I said, because I told you I would. And he said, all right, well, let's see if you can hold it. I said, yeah, I'll hold it. When do I need to come back? So it, I went back six six weeks later and it was still in the hundreds and my A1C is consistent. Now, I did things that most people may or may not do. They would if they were in the, backed up into the corner like I was. It was life or death. So I, I've given up sugar. I've given up carbs. And, and I've given up all things that make me produce sugar, which is seafood. I grew up on seafood. Seafood I've eliminated because of how my body breaks it down. And I, I just, I know that for me, I created all of this so that I could actually stand up and speak to be people from personal experience, as opposed to being the person on the hill that's practicing. Doctors have a practice. No offense to a doctor. They just call it a practice. I'd rather be in the perfect. I would rather be in something that works. I'd rather heal. I'd rather be in a place that things move the way I want them. So I created all of this in order to know, in order to evolve. From my perspective, we've created everything. All of these things that we see as problems, we've created them to know how to have the solution. I love that Jacqueline's here and has 365 give such a beautiful thing and i'm glad that we are aligned and i hope that she shares something of that for all of us to know how to step into what we want in the world that's what this is about this the name of the podcast was really thought about rise with sid mcnary real impact supports everyone that's what that means it's a movement that means that no matter who we are, where we are, when we hear this, we have an opportunity right where we are to be different. We've created this world as it is for us to be better, to be different, to elevate. And I'll leave it there and, and uh, excited for everyone to join in this conversation. Jacqueline, go for it. I, I think I'm jumping out of my seat right now, which is the best part. And Michelle had left us a beautiful message you know, all about divine timing and synchronicity. And this conversation couldn't be more synchronistic to my morning already. And it's only 7 a.m. here in Vancouver, Canada. So thank you, Sid and Michelle, for holding the space for us all, first of all. And, you know, Sid, I, I love your story because of, you know, a metaphor that I see in this. And just before I, I hopped on, I was literally sitting listening to a podcast by Michael Seeley 
And if you're not familiar with Michael Seeley, he wrote a book called The Untethered Soul. And I read this book a long time ago. And for whatever reason, this morning, I asked my angels to give me what I needed. And so I opened up my YouTube and there he was. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. And it ties into exactly what you're talking about. And one of the things Michael was um, talking about on his podcast was always looking inside, right? We always think that our, whatever's happening on the outside world for us um, is where we're going to, you know, find our peace. And so what I love about your story is that the, the world gave you blindness for you to go inside. And it gave you the ability to close your eyes to everything that was going on in the outside world so that you could focus solely on your inside world. Because what we know is our inside world, this is where it all starts. And so for me, you know, my outside world has been very, very busy the last few months. And, and I wasn't listening. You know, I've been pushing and pushing myself through a lot of work that I've been doing from my charitable organization, 365 Give. And I kept telling myself that, you know, all the work I do for it, and I, I work full time uh, uh, on my charity, 365 Give. And it's all about giving back to the world every day, give back to the world every day for the sole purpose of helping. It's, it's for two things. One, obviously, when we give, we're making the world a better place. We're making the world a better place for you, for me, for ourselves, for our children, for generations to come. No matter how small you give, it creates this beautiful momentum that keeps putting good into our world. And that's how it all started. It literally started with me and my son when he was three, giving back to the world every day because I wanted to grow a kind, compassionate, loving little child. And what I knew is that we have to foster that in our children. And I thought, well, what better way to foster kindness and giving and love, but to give every day, not knowing what I was gonna discover at all along the way. And today, and, and Sid, you have said, you know, it was a practice. It became what today I realized was my mindful practice. It became my intentional practice of love. It became um, a stepping into exactly those words. It became a stepping into knowing who I truly am by creating that practice for my son and I. But sometimes I get lost in that practice too because I get so focused on how can I make it better? How can I make it better? How can I make it spread further in the world? How can I convince everyone that this is your path? And I get lost in that some days. And I had gotten lost in it because we have a lot of new things going on that I'm really excited about but I forgot to go back to what the practice really is. The practice of my inner self, the practice of love for myself first so that I can freely give that to the world. And this week it hit a tipping point to me that I realized that I had got lost in the doing and I stopped the self-love that has to start from the inside. And so I love that you were given the gift of blindness, as much as that sounds a little odd and for others listening, because it allows it allowed you, and this is what I heard in your story and what I'm going to take from it, it allowed you to close your eyes to the outer world so you could lead from your inside world. And I need to do a little more of that. 
I need to take more time to close my eyes to the outside world and be with myself in my inner world. Because knowing that when I get so clear, when I fall so in love with my inner world, that that flows out to the inner world that I get to create, I get excited again. I get excited not only to do the work that I do, but knowing that I am fulfilling my purpose in this world. That by being of service to the world around me, from a place of love from the inside, that I am now fulfilling why I'm here and I'm stepping into the truest, highest version of who I am. So thank you for that reminder today, my friend. I am deeply grateful for it. Wow. You said so much, Jacqueline. Of course you did. Because, um, you know, uh, Jacqueline just is uh, someone that is just shines her soul all the time. And so she's um, that type of person you're drawn towards, but it's the vulnerability. And I love that you're reading Michael Singer's book, um, The Untethered Soul, because no accidents that you're or listening to him on the podcast, because he's so powerful um, and is the root of a lot of the work that I've been doing. And you made me remember something that sort of ties to what Sid was saying, which is that he says, which is that you should be experiencing the life that's happening to you, not the one we wish was happening. And not to waste a moment of life trying to make other things happen, but to appreciate the moment we are given, to be in the present with what we're given. And, you know, I think about Sid without sight. Um, and I think about how, you know, that actually allowed him probably to experience living in a way that we don't often give ourselves. And you're right, there is a sight inside. Our, you know, the reality of our world is created by us. And so the best place to look at that is the inner world. And going within and, um, you know, I just was having a conversation this morning with someone and they're saying is that we think that, you know, if we do something, then we'll have a, have something. Like if I close this big deal, then I'll have, you know, 50 billion dollars and then I'll be happy. But it really isn't that. It's if we are being love, if we are being open, if we are being uh, curious, if we are being engaged, if we are being passionate, if we're being on fire, you know, just completely in our zone of genius, right? Then, you know, there'll be a different experience of that outcome that I think is empowerment and freedom. And I think, you know, Sid recognized that in his blindness, even, uh, you know, that he could create the world that he wanted to, that he was that center that kind of that he had it all even though you know he currently wasn't experiencing blindness that's that's what i heard from sid and it's kind of what i'm hearing from you jacqueline and that it's so easy to get stuck in the doingness and i think and this may sound like really strange to people who are listening but i think sometimes our doer is really good at pretending it's a beer and you know we just and i think that that can take us so far from actually that that pure light that you know you so often shine Jacqueline uh, I yield the mic I would love to pick that up 
This is Celeste. Good morning. Oh, as always said, I absolutely love this conversation. And, you know, listening to your story is just, it's such a beautiful reminder of what we mean when we say, be in the flow of life. Because, you know, you could have fought it in so many ways. And instead, you just embraced what was going on and, and decided to, to go within and to look at what it was trying to show you, where it wanted you to make changes, what you needed to do, and to just trust. And when we go with the flow of life, we truly align so much quicker to, to what there is for us and all of the beauty. It's so easy to sit back and, and to see what the, I'm using air quotes, what the universe is doing to us or taking away from us or putting in our way you know, those shoulda, woulda, couldas and, and what's happening is in bad things, but it's also doing something for you. If you're looking for the negatives, you're gonna find them. But if you look for those positives, you're also going to find them and you're gonna find where, you know, you just need to slow down or or maybe you just need to take a pivot or or just go within and find more confidence and more knowing of yourself it's so beautiful it's so beautiful to listen to your story and and how you've just allowed yourself to be in that flow in that trust and and i absolutely i love it and and i honor you my friend and thank you for sharing and i will pass the stick awesome i i do want to say that during that time because it, it was gosh we we left in 2019 uh, when we sold everything and hit the road. And, and during that time, it was happening. I just couldn't see it. <laughs> Interesting enough. I couldn't see it because, and, I, you know, Monty, who's who's listening right now, and, and other people that are here, I'd met along the way, but I couldn't see it because it was, I was so stuck in thinking that everything was like, it was going to be, you know, okay, I'm, I've just passed over the, the half century mark. And now, of course, my site, I mean, I've never in my life worn glasses other than one time I asked the doctor to please give me some glasses because my dad's not going to let me drive because I've wrecked three cars. <laughs> so I need to, I need him to believe that I can't see. So actually, thinking about it, I may have created it back then. So doctor gave me some, some fake glasses. He told my mom about it because everybody knew my dad and how tough he was on me. So he's like, I'll help him out. I'm gonna give him some fake glasses. So, <laughs> so I went through and had these fake glasses. And, and then I, all of a sudden, my dad was like, why aren't you wearing your glasses? Man, I don't need those things. I'm good. Like, I'm, I, I don't know, I got my sight back. And <laughs> And so I, in the midst of this, I was, there were times I wasn't, I wasn't able to flow it cleanly. I mean, I would, I'd break down. I'd call, fortunately, I have my best friend from college. We've been on this journey through coaching football and through life and, and the moments of when his wife got sick and all those things. And I stood with him. And so he was like, dude, I want, I want to hear every moment. You call me all the time, 
every way through this because you created this and we got to get you through it. And you're now healed and live into the echo of it. And, uh, and I was like, cool. I just needed, I needed that. I needed someone that could be that stand for with me. Uh, that could be that stand to say, Hey, Sid, this isn't, this isn't how you move. Let's get this stuff right. And then I, I called my dad and I'm fortunate that my dad is someone that loves the hobby of psychology. So he knew anytime, anytime something has been heavy on my heart, my dad has opened his heart. And he was like, son, I get it. Now, I didn't know that my dad was going through the same thing, yet he wouldn't admit it to himself because two months after I went through the surgery, my dad went and got it and now he sees great. So it, it was it was a healing in me that, and I've always known this because it's a Native American thing, healing in the moment for myself reaches back seven generations before me and seven generations to come. People think that, you know, I put 23 guys in the NFL and their kids are now slated to be the next NFL players. They don't pick you up just because you, your dad played. What happens is I taught them how to move and become an NFL player. They move that way in their life. Their kids picked it up and now their kids are slated to go do that. It's not, it's not rocket science. It is the way things happen. And so for me, yeah, I, I'm grateful for all the moments that I was losing my peace. And that I could sit there and say to my wife, hey, look, when you cry for me, I struggle and my sight gets worse. So I need you to toughen up. Like I said it like that. I need you to toughen up because I need you. And we navigated that to where I now let her cook dinner <laughs> because I needed all of her and me to get through that. And then now here I am. I've attracted a, a Michelle, a Jacqueline, a Amanda, a Celeste, a Lee. And Aaron's been in my life for a while, was with me through it, and has stayed, and Adewale and Jason. We're all together because we've all gotten here, or we wouldn't even be together. Anyone that hears this podcast, it's because they are meant to hear it. And should they choose, they will pick it up and elevate their life, which will elevate us all. We're all constantly connected. And I'll end with this at this point. The pandemic was a time for all of us to stop and go in and see. We'll know in 11 years if we did. In 11 years, my dad, the scientist, says it takes 11 years for us to know the repercussions of what we've been through. In 11 years, we will know if we got what we needed or will we repeat the patterns. Peace is the thing. 
we all just have to do our part. And I'll leave it open for anyone. Thanks. Peace. Well, that was just another powerful story. Go ahead, Amanda. I just want to make sure you guys can hear me. I'm in an elevator. Um, so thank, thank you so much, Sid, for sharing. That was really just so incredible. And, you know, it's so many different pieces that you're sharing resonate so deeply with me. And, you know, a couple of different thoughts are one of them is, you know, the different masks that we wear. And this illusion, Michelle and I have talked about it in depth a lot of safety. And a lot of the times, especially in different cultures, we put on different layers to appear a certain way. And I think it's a testament to your inner strength that you're sharing with us, Sid, and some other people on stage of knowing that strength is really invulnerability and how we show up really matters. And the context of which we're coming from is so deeply important. And, um, you know, I was literally talking with Michelle earlier this morning about the, the way in which we objectify our thoughts versus subjectify them. And Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot where, you know, he even mentions writing down your thoughts, your, the subconscious thoughts that creep in all the time, the I can't, or I'm too tired, or um, I, I need to do this tomorrow. And, you know, when you can separate yourself from those thoughts and see those thoughts and separate the emotion of those thoughts, then we get altitude. And so, Sid, as you're sharing what you've gone through and what you've experienced, I think that there's a lot of ways that people could potentially take that and say that's courageous. You know, you have perseverance and fortitude. And for me and my experience, listening to your story, I, I think it's more so of not letting that inner doubt win, not letting that inner voice inside saying that we can't or we won't or we shouldn't or we couldn't take over. And by being able to be vulnerable and ask for help when we need it and speak up and speak our truth is just so extremely powerful and needed. And from a person who, when in the past I would go through struggles, I would not ask for help. I would isolate and I would feel shame around them. And I'm here for anyone that's having their own difficulties is ask for help. Because when, when you ask even just a prayer or the universe, it is really miraculous. The people that show up so quickly to be there for you. And um, specifically about the vision, I don't know, have you ever heard of something called Vibravision? No, I sure haven't. So to, you know, be conscious of sharing and everything, Vibravision, I think it's spelled V-I-B-R-A-V-I-S-O-N, uh, is something that teaches people how to see without their vision. And it's something that comes from Southeast Asia, and a friend of mine named Mike Moss studied it. Uh, overseas for many years and incorporated it and brought his version of it to the States. And it's only to say that, you know, when we occlude one aspect of our senses, we can teach our other senses to energetically get ignited. And specifically with Vibravision is teaching people how to tap into their other glands that are in their brain to then allow them to have sight 
without needing to physically see. And it's the coolest thing. Um, I've gone to, you know, like a day seminar and it was just wild where people with blindfolds on can um, walk around a room and not bump into objects because you're energetically aligning different parts of your senses to wake them up and then to be able to actually experience the environment around you even so much that people that have practiced it for many years are able to see color without their with their eyes occluded and choose for instance a bean bag a red bean bag versus a blue one and uh, i met this gentleman at a conference maybe three or four years ago four people that were having um, retina pigmentosa and a couple of other eye conditions and it was really phenomenal to just learn that there are so many non-traditional opportunities out there from a spiritual sense and from a healing sense. And I just appreciate you bringing this topic to the forefront. I think it's fascinating and so fabulous because I think it gives a lot of people strength to talk when they may not have realized that their voice matters. So thanks for letting me share and just so much love for everybody that's here. I'll add to that. And it brings up kind of the third third thing that I got with the site. And there's many of them. Uh, and one of them was consciousness sees all the time. I actually know we none of us see with our eyes. We see with our consciousness. The way it showed up with the site was one eye would be going in a certain way. The other eye would be going in another way. And I would see things that I've never seen before and they would appear clear. But if I close one eye, it wouldn't even be there. If I close the other one, it would be different. And it was the way things were working all the time. So much that my consciousness at this point I think I lost Sid. And look at uh, which way do you want it? So I picked one eye, I can see miles. Like I know I can see at least four miles because I walk four miles on the beach and I can see the pier four miles away, easy. <laughs> and can pick the people on the pier. Then my other eye, I it was created that I see really up close so I can read with that eye. But my consciousness, I never have to think about, oh, which eye do I use? My consciousness already does that. It already goes distance, short. And it, it knows, it's it just, it happens so quickly, my brain doesn't even alter in that space. So I know that with what you were saying with this Viber vision, I was accessing that through consciousness so that I could see. It actually causes me to think, uh, what are the people driving cars seeing? <laughs> because if you all only knew what I was driving like when I was using that space to drive for a good year, yes, it's definitely, there's more to it than, than the box that I was in and I got to, open up to something new through this process of creating a loss of sight. So thank you for sharing that. Over to you, Michelle. 
Yeah. Um, thanks, Amanda, for saying that. And, you know, and Sid for talking about consciousness because, oh my gosh, I mean, look, we all are, you know, human beings and we are having a human experience. And I think we can't escape the physiological piece of that, right? Uh, and we forget about it even because our, you know, we don't, we're not consciously thinking about breathing. We're not consciously thinking about sending our little blood cells around our body. Uh, and yet, you know, the sophisticated being that we are, it's handling all of that for us. Um, and one could say, you know, our experience of that is bound through consciousness and our ability to even check in with and be rest our attention inside of that awareness itself is super powerful because in that space, there is no separation. There's no more my, my, myself or yourself uh, and just this expanse, this sort of, I don't know what it is, this multiverse connection, if you will. And I know this sounds woo-woo, but it isn't. It's like the spiritual practice. And I think we our evolution of our spiritual practice as human beings is to remove the blockages that cause us fear. And I think about everything that Amanda said about this guy, I think he said it was Brian Moss, uh, who brought this ability to kind of use the middle mind to see uh, and to be able to, you know, look at a red bean bag or a blue, blue bean bag. And I just think about just this marvel of the human body uh, and, you know, our relationship to it as consciousness. And, and I, I don't know that we've really talked about that a lot, but I, I do think that we, uh, Michelle, I, I'll just talk for myself. I think that I am this personality that I put together, you know, who's on social media, right? But I'm much more than that. And, you know, we, we, if we talk about that more, there will be more peace. If we can get people to understand how powerful uh, we are as human beings, both consciousness and the physiology that's human being, it's really powerful. For example, I don't know if you know this, but um, they did this study, and I, I can't remember the specifics of it, but basically they gave these glasses to people that made people see things upside down. And it was like this classic experiment where the glasses inverted reality all the time. And after at first seeing everything upside down, by the end of the week, those people that were wearing those inversion glasses, almost all of them reported that everything had returned back to normal. So imagine that you're given glasses, for, you put them on, and you see everything inverted. But by the end of the week, somehow suddenly, even though you're still wearing the inversion glasses, you're seeing everything normal right side up. And when they took the glasses off, things inverted once again, but then it only took about half the time to recorrect how they knew it was. So the mind, with the help of our reptilian brain, is so powerful at reinforcing biases, right? Our preferred version of reality, and it's gonna ignore certain data. Think about it, it ignored so much data, screening it out. and sort of in, inventing new data to fill in the blanks to, to create what we know is there. 
and it reminds me of like that phantom limb phenomenon. You know, after you amputate a limb, the amputee reports feeling sensations where their limb used to be. And I'm pretty sure Amanda's worked with people like this. Uh, and not the stump, not at the stump where the nerve endings uh, now end. They often feel the sensations and forget that, you know, they don't have a leg or they don't have an arm because they're still feeling the sensations from that nerves down at where they're assuming their pinky is or their their little toe is. And um, so I think that that's pretty incredible. And then another example um, was according there's a, there they did this study where they gave people this piece of paper and they asked them to read it. And the piece of paper had words that were missing certain letters. So instead of saying, um, you know, uh, the word matter, it might have been, instead of M-A-T-T-E-R, it might have said M-T-T-N-R. And what, instead of what, it was W-A-T instead of W-H-A-T. And so they, they had a whole paragraph that these people read that where so many of the letters were missing or incorrectly placed within a portion of a word. But what happened was that the brain still turns on those sensors and it, it was able to actually read the message without, you know, everybody that did this study, without having the whole words there or the correct words there at all. And they did it super fast and like, I don't know, 20 seconds. So the, the research is, is that we really only need like 10% of raw data and the mind can connect the dots. So, um, so we are in charge of creating our own multisensory reality. And that's the point I wanted to get to. Like those two faces. And has anybody here seen those two faces thing where, you know, you either see the old woman or the young girl? Um, yes, or you, for sure. Yeah, or the one where you're either looking at two faces or you're or somebody sees a vase. And so, you know, if we're attached to a certain way we know the world is, our our reptilian brain's gonna make sure that we receive only evidence that supports that perspective. And so I love um that you, Sid, said to your wife, Hey, I'm gonna need you to toughen up. Because you basically took her out of her perception of the world, her prescription for how to deal with something, and asked her to try on a new prescription. You asked her to change her context so that the content within your world could change so that you could be sighted again. And I think that's so super powerful. So just wanted to add that in. I pass the mic. I'll pick it up real quick. And, and uh two things that came up from what you shared was one, uh, I would go in from the space of what I've been through, I would go a little deeper to say that it's even beyond like the people just seeing what they thought they saw because the person actually wrote it with the intention that this is what you would see consciousness that's out for all of us to tap into says that's what we will see so for me that would be a little different than they already had it even though they do have it it's just a if i constant this is why i'm so big on making sure that i use the words that i want someone else to be able to pick up because 
I've already put it into consciousness. It's already becoming. So then that is what we'll see. Even if I'm thinking I want it to be another way. So that's why I'm like big right now on, all right, forget the problem. Even though we need to know the problem. Now let's move forward. What's the solution? And constantly going like that and retraining myself to be solution oriented as opposed to problem fixated. So that my consciousness now moves forward. I love what Jason is up to. And I'm not even going to say what he's up to. I love what he's up to, freeing kids. See, I can, I can be solution-oriented, free kids. Now the problem starts to die off because I'm not fixated on the problem, just free kids. I already know the problem, just free kids. And I, and I would, and that's something that having moved through that space, I was able to shift and break the pattern of my own mind to say, this is where I go. I learned that when a woman cries, no different than a deer, there's nature, things happen in nature. When a woman cries, it lowers testosterone levels for men. Most people don't know this. So I knew that when Liz was crying, my testosterone was getting low and I knew it in other ways too. My testosterone was getting low. So if she stopped that, I had the testosterone to heal and get where I was going. It was something not just, oh, Liz, don't cry. I need to be tougher. It was, I had looked at it. I had felt it. I knew what was happening in my body and was like, okay, how can we shift this so that when I'm down, I still have enough reserves to lift up. And it's for me, I knew this when I, when I studied like a deer and I go back to nature, what would nature do? And a, a deer when it's being chased and stalked by a lion, do you know they both freeze and the deer will defecate and urinate and empty out so it can run faster and get away. The same thing happens for unfortunately often for tears it's because we're scared we're in fear we're in we're shifting so that shift that liz made for me allowed me to have the reserve to have more testosterone to heal myself that was i knew that and it was something i just wanted to live into and so i'm grateful that i i have a really tough wife she just didn't want to see me in pain. So then I had to toughen up and say, all right, we ain't going to the pain anymore. I'm going to go to the possibility of being healed. And so with that, I'll leave it open for anyone. Thanks. Peace. Well, I, I, first of all, thank you for more deeply going into the conversation that I was in to like, talk about how carefully you choose your reality because i think that's super important and i never knew that testosterone gets lowered when women cry that's or is it just women or is it when people cry well the study that i that i dove into it was women very cool and i'm sure i'm sure it's anyone you know but yeah. yet no actually I, I can't say i'm sure because like when my babies cried 
and I just look at my own life. When my babies cried, I didn't drop my energy. Very interesting. You know, there's a really cool guy. Has anybody ever on stage ever read Ken Wilber? He wrote A Brief History of Everything and a bunch of other books that are like mind-blowing and deep. Uh, and he actually used to do courses. I don't know um, at his age if he still is or not. But I remember being blown away, away by something I read back in like right before 9-11 happened. And he was saying that biologically years and years and years ago, like millennia, millennia, millennia ago, um, that like women, like if you used to, and I don't know if it's still true today, but that if you were to reach out and touch a woman um, and they didn't know you were, you know, going to touch them, what happens is it releases for them certain hormones and it makes the woman want to nurture. So the woman doesn't go to attack the person that touches their arm. And um, with men, the same thing happening back in the day, and I'm not sure if it's still relative and true today, if an unknown person would go to touch an arm, they their hormones told them to like attack. And so I find that just so fascinating from a species perspective. Um, and I had never known that. And it sort of blew me away because in my mind's eye at, at that age, right before 9-11, I just came from this place that we're all the same uh, uh, human beings. And so when I started to get this data that, well, maybe there are some differences. And I, I, I knew, obviously, you know, that men have uh, different levels of hormones than we do and that, you know, women have uh, menses cycles, et cetera. But I hadn't realized that something so simple as that, as being touched, would create such a different version of reality. So I just thought I'd throw that in there while we're talking about all this kind of stuff. Mike, to anyone who wants it. I'll pick it up. Um, I love this conversation. It's beautiful. And um, I love what Michelle has touched on when she talked about the mind's eye and just our nature like the more we are in tune to our nature um you you will see who we who we really are like like you see beyond like our human vessel you know and just to hear this this is just like a, a powerful thing like the mind eye they say from ancient time um ancient egypt um that's the first eye the real eye um and when you realize that that's your real eye you see all you you see what it is not what you think and thinking is your mind you see for what it is some things just is what it is so just to hear how we all naturally do this consciously or unconsciously is just amazing um and then just to touch on the story with how if someone touch like how you touch a man he wants to tackle with a woman she wants to nurture it's it's our nature as men we're here to like lead protect um and as women you're here to nurture and be that energy of holding space and tapping into that motherly instinct and that motherly energy and that's just all our instincts from within so i just want to say like man this is a powerful like 
subject um i think is beautiful because the more we are in tune to self the more we are in tune to all so i'm Wali and i yield this is lori hi everyone um i hope you don't mind me coming you know anyway here we go so here i am in a hot here I was in a hospital, emergency room, long story short, miraculous story. And a dear friend of mine who I hadn't seen in so many years, but we were, uh, you know, high school friends, knowing each other 30, 40 years. <clears throat> I get a phone call that she's in the emergency room with a brain aneurysm that burst. And she can only, like, talk gibberish. And so, all right, I drive, I go see her. And I'm, I'm sleeping over in the hospital emergency. And... The curtain is drawn because the nurses are, you know, doing some things with her in the middle of the night. And so I hear this. Michelle, lift your hands. Can you lift your hands? Hmm. I guess she can't do it. Michelle, just try, you know. Hmm. So I'm like, oh, my God. So, okay. So not that, oh, my God, in a bad way, in a good way. And so I get up and I, I look at her. I go, you know. I said, let's see if I can, maybe I can inspire her, you know, because she knows me, you know, obviously. And so I go, Michelle, and all I did was lift my hands at the same time to show her, Michelle, just lift your hands. I didn't drive 10 hours to, to watch you sit there, you know, joking with her. Just lift your hands. She lifted her hands. So the power of the mind is very strong and love is the biggest Biggest, the, the most, that's it. It's all about love. So, you know, I do believe I've, I've gone through it myself, healed things within myself, you know, that it's just miraculous. It really does work. You know, Jesus said he was going to, you know, we're going to do greater things. We're going to be able to do these things and we got to do them. We got to just step out and go, okay, let's see. It, it works. It works. So lift your hands higher. And, and uh, it was amazing to tell you, it was just an amazing thing. So that's all. I'm Lori and uh, yeah, all about love and peace. <laughs> that was powerful and beautiful. Um, really, really cool. Uh, and I'm so, so glad that you were there uh, and moved mountains for her just out of being there in love. And, you know, um, Amanda's on the phone, but I want to share a quick story because her let's see, how do I say this? Her brother's wife's brother got in a very bad accident and was in a coma. Uh, and this was in the last year. And, you know, all of the news was terrible about it. And, you know, saying, you know, all sorts of like fear and dread and people doing research, because this is what we do when someone gets hurt. Like now that we have the internet, everybody was, you know, on WebMD and PubMed and typing in articles. And Amanda has a background in occupational therapy. And so she has had the incredible fortune to have been able to work with people who actually were coming out of comas and so knew a lot too. And we all had like a support group uh, just by text where, you know, we were texting every day and, you know, lifting up our energy and sending like restoration, thoughts of total restoration. But the rest of the universe was kind of, you know, doing this bah humbug thing. And, um, oh, she's off the phone. So maybe she will um, listen and come back in. And like the, the plus of it is never giving up and always being in love about this young man. And now he is awake and he is 
moving around when if you would listen to the everybody's, they might have given up. But the family never did and the doctors never did. And um, Amanda, if you're there, I was talking about your brother's brother-in-law and would love for you to share that story because it was so powerful how he's kind of come back uh, from something that most people thought was irretrievable. Are you there, Amanda? She might not be. I Michelle, not. Can, I, can I respond a little bit to yeah. that? Because, you know, with this woman, it was amazing, okay? Because um, the doctors, you know, I mean, nurses, doctors, people were amazed because, you know what, and I knew all through the whole thing, it was her. She had to make the choice. And I, I prayed the whole time, of course, for a week. They said she was, if she came out, she'd be, I don't even want to speak it out. She would not be here, not doing much. And I was like, hell no, this girl's got life in her. And so it was just, I was just the, the lucky one to be able to be there and to witness this and to be able to just shift it a little bit for her, present it to her. And she, and because I, I, I said, she, I knew she's got to make this choice. This isn't me making the choice for her. And I even said these things. I mean, this is a miraculous story th that happened with her. I'm on the phone with her and, and, you know, you can imagine these nurses were like, what? You know, um, they put me on the phone with her the first, the second day she was in the, in there. And again, she could not move anything. She couldn't even, she could not move. Okay. Gibberish. And they said, Lori, our other BFF, Lori, we have Michelle here, you know, she's in the hospital and Michelle, Lori's on the phone. Okay. Oh, and she just lit up, you know, and, and I had talked to her a few days before this. And so she said, uh, so this is what you hear. Okay. Lori's on the phone, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I didn't expect this to happen. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. And so I say, hi, Michelle. And I said, oh my gosh, I love you so much. I'm so sorry this happened. And oh gosh, I should have visited you, blah, 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 whatever. I'm trying to, to, to intrigue her. And this is what you hear on the other end of the phone. Now there's two other women in the room and her. And I tell her I love her and bippity bop. And she, this is what you hear. Uh, who, who. Okay, she says, I love you too. Then you hear the shock of, oh my God, keep talking, keep talking, you know, keep talking to her. I mean, this was just like, coming back from the dead, you know? And from that point on, I mean, we just said, no way. This is, okay, she wants to live. I said to her, you want to stay? You want to go? Figure it out. You know, we put pictures of her that were healthy. She could speak three languages. She was brilliant. She is brilliant. She is 99% back. 10 days later, they put her into rehab. The doctors were like, wow. A nurse stopped me. And, and, and she was like Indian nurse. She said, just just keep doing what you're doing. Because, you know, the doctors were like, you know, they're skeptical about these things, but then they couldn't deny it. They just couldn't deny this, you know? So it was, whew, it was amazing. So anyway, just had to share that. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for listening. Celebrating Michelle. Woo. <laughs> Not me. Don't we celebrate you too. Yeah, definitely. We celebrate you. Hey, I think Amanda's back. Amanda, were you there? I am here. Um, that was, you know, so many beautiful shares. And I, I think that, 
It's really interesting because I've been in the healthcare industry since I've been 16 years old and, you know, from working at hospitals to riding on the back of ambulances. And so I've, I've seen it all. I mean, the first day that I, I rode on an ambulance, I was 16 and we literally had a gentleman who was DOA, which means dead upon arrival. Unfortunately, he had had a heart attack in his sleep. And within 10 minutes later, the minuter, which was our old beeper or walkie-talkie back in the day, went off. And, you know, then I'm helping deliver a baby in the back of an ambulance. And successfully, nonetheless, um, I've delivered a handful of children, actually, uh, even in, in my car, my friend's child. So it's it's just really cool to understand how the circle of life goes around. And, you know, Michelle talking about, you know, the personal story, um, is I see miracles all day long. I, I've worked in, you know, with army vets that have just come back from overseas that were at levels where they were considered brain dead. And they were um, with, you know, breathing devices coming out of them in different tubes. And then after working with them for months at rehab, they left walking and talking. And uh, the average person probably would never have known that they were, you know, classified as passing away. And so I just really believe that when we don't give up hope, when we don't give up faith, when we choose to persevere, even if we can't see, you know, that analogy of we don't need to know what's at the top of the staircase, we just need to take the next step. And it's asking ourselves, what's the next best right action that we can take for ourselves or that we can take with our loved ones? And when you know, I operate in that context, then everything just becomes really easy because then I can find the presence in the precious moment of really understanding that the present is all that we have. And, you know, hope allows us to, it allows us to, to keep our hearts alive. And I really do believe that it's, it's all in the eye of the beholder. You know, my, my, you know, new brother-in-law, um, certain people would have said, okay, he's done. You know, there's there's nothing that can come next from this. And nine months later, I mean, now he's back to functioning and totally with it. And it's just one day the lights turn back on. And it's a it's a wild thing of just understanding that the possibilities are endless. We have a short life to live and a long life of lessons to experience if we choose to have them. And I hope and wish that every single person out there understands that you are not your circumstances. Just because you were born into a certain family or you may have a physical condition, you can overcome it. And there is so much beauty out there. And uh, I just, I hope that people continue to use their hope in, in positive ways. So I love you guys and back up to you, Michelle and Sid. Oof, I just want to say, come on with it, girl. That was so awesome um, and so powerful. And we don't talk about hope a lot. I haven't really been hearing a lot of rooms on hope here in Clubhouse. I think we talk around it, um, some of us, and it is a beautiful word and something that I think has created the space for the miraculous to show up. And yet I have a mentor who always says hope is like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic uh, and hoping for a different outcome. Like it does take, like you said, Amanda, also you know, doing the next right thing for the right reasons at the right time um, to also affect change, right? Because uh, inaction is still a consequence. Uh, there's always a consequence associated with it. But 
you know, the beauty of just having that intention and that goal and the hope and the love, the connection, the the gratitude for the future that could be um, with, say, your, you know, brother's brother-in-law like that, that was so powerful. And for him to come so far in his physical reality to come back to consciousness in a way that there was enough there to get him and his neurological brain and everything else that had to function along with it to work is like an incredible story. Uh, and it's not one that everybody, everybody hears. And so some of it is what consciousness, how, how are you authoring your life? How am I authoring my life? What do I see as a possibility versus what someone else might see? And you know, I can remember, uh, like, I really love essential oils. And I can remember trying to talk to someone because my daughter had really, really bad migraines, like, and I don't know what you call them. And I see Dr. Rowe down in the audience, Dr. Roshanak, she might know, like, my daughters would go blind in an eye, her hands and feet would tingle, she would get really nauseous. And she, you know, would finally throw up and pass out and like she the kind of pass out that you could probably roll her down the stairs and she wouldn't wake up and I always thought that was her brain trying to protect her from you trying to use all of its resources to help her body uh and I had a friend turn me onto these essential oils and when I put them on the back of the nape of her neck which was like frankincense rosemary basil and I think no no it was frankincense rosemary lavender and one other, I can't remember, peppermint, her migraine went away. And I'd been living with her with migraines from age eight. And we'd tried a lot of the pharmaceutical um, drugs that are available for pediatric kids. And she had really bad experiences with them. She would have restless leg syndrome with one. She was like vomiting with the other all the time. And darn it, if these essential oils didn't work. And some of my friends have said, oh, it's just a what do you call that? It, um, like when it's a control, the, there's a placebo. It's just a placebo effect. But I really don't think it is. And we've used those oils for a long time. And it has worked for her, right? And so before I knew about those essential oils, I, we didn't have that availability for Caroline to let go of her migraines in the way that she has now. And now that we have these essential oils, and I'm not saying there's a specific truth about them, but I'm saying they gave us hope that we felt gratitude. We, the fact that there was another option, um, changed the context that we were operating out of from one of lack of hope to some hope and to a reality of her benefiting from not being at the effect of these all day migraines. And so, um, I just bring that up because I think it's super, super powerful and I'm not, um, selling, you know, what do they say that snake oil. So please, anyone who's listening, I'm, I'm not saying please do this or please try this at home. I'm simply saying, you know, my worldview changed out of willingness to hope that it might work and that it did work. Um, and so, you know, those of us that do create openings for possibilities, I think those possibilities can arise. Now, whether those of us that don't do it still have positive things happen, I think that's true too. But it's an interesting intersection to talk about. Uh, Mike, back to anyone. As a 
migraine sufferer from the age of two on <laughs> who went to many neurologists and testing and medications, I can also attest that the essential oils work beautifully. <laughs> So there is definite hope in there, Michelle. Um, I did also want to mention, I love the conversations um, about the experiences, you know, with that hope and, and we can overcome all. But I also want to say the soul decides. The soul of that person decides. We can be their cheerleader. We can, we can encourage. But the soul decides when it's coming into the, in my experience, decides when it is coming into this world and when it is leaving this world. And I speak from someone who has died and come back to life. And also in the work that I do as a death doula in helping families with people that are crossing over, they truly decide. And the reason I feel the need to say this is because I've had so many people struggle with, I killed my brother. I pulled the plug. What if it was too early? What if it was too, you know, what if there was more? What if I didn't do enough? No matter what, if that soul is not ready to go because I have seen it, you can pull that plug. And as we heard right here, they will come back. So I just want to say it is the soul, the individual soul that decides. You may be a conduit that has to make decisions in this world, but it is their truth. They decide. You, you don't have that power. And I'm gonna pass that mic. That was very um, beautiful to learn uh, as someone who's lost both of their parents and my other mother, because I have another mother who lived with us, with my family for like 48 years. Um, and there is a piece to that, to knowing um, that they decide uh, when, when it's time for them. Uh, so I really appreciate that wisdom and thank you for sharing about the essential oils. And Dr. Roshanak also wrote to me in the chat about the power of essential oils. And I just want to say that essential oils are amazing. Um, and so, you know, I definitely have added them into my lifestyle as something that is effective and efficient and natural. Uh, and plant medicine was with us long, you know, before we added the chemistry of, you know, non-plant medicine to the pharmaceuticals that we have for us today. And hey, I'm not dissing anything because there are times when we need like these medicines that the brilliant scientists have come up with because something else just will not work. Um, and so I'm appreciative of that, but I'm more appreciative of this beautiful conversation that we've been having that, you know, about hope and life and death and consciousness and you know sid said something about um you know going with the solution so rather than talk about what jason does jason cisneros who's here with us today um you know in terms of what the problem is which i'm not even going to say the words so that i don't tell the universe that he just goes with the solution which is free children free those that are in need of protection. And um, so that's a beautiful way and a powerful way of creating a world that works for him and could work for us. And I just wanted to take this moment to say that we're in the Rise with Sid McNeary 
uh, on Apple Podcasts, and it's a room that Sid and Glenn Morshauer and I hold every Thursday. That said, we won't be here next week because Sid's away, and the following week, uh, my grandson will be born by C-section on this day at probably this very time. And so all of you will hold that light and celebration for that moment that's to come. Uh, I'm I'm a proud believer in the now, but um, there's such power in um, really celebrating life and the cycles that Amanda brought up. I'm going to pass the mic over to Jason because Jason is awesome and I just love him. I have from the moment I first heard him speak and I had the same experience with Glenn and Sid too. And so, you know, um, these men are important to me in my in my worldview, and I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, your share today, Jason. So good morning. Good morning. Um, what a beautiful room full, filled with beautiful people. It's been very enjoyable. I like to sit back and listen sometimes and, and um, you know, just, just kind of hearing everybody's stories and, and your journeys. And they're, they're all like, like mini series movies that, I would just, I wish like Netflix would just come in here and pick all of your stories and, and just tell them, you know, they would be much more helpful to correcting the direction and the trajectory of, of uh, the energy in this world. That's for sure. Um, so thank you all for, for sharing. It's been, it's been really, um, it's been really energizing. And, and, it, and the thing that keeps popping up to the top of my head is, you know, that each and every person, whether you're listening uh, on the podcast, you're listening in the room, you're on stage here. It's, it's, it's just so radically evident to me that we're here to tell each other that that thing that, that you have buried in your heart, that you know, you can do better than everybody else is 100% possible when you get fear, doubt, and and judgment out of your life. And we inflict that pain on ourselves so often, right? We inflict that, that pain on ourselves so often and it weighs down. It just kind of, it buries us under a bunch of um, lies and, and deceit. And to watch people open up even just a little bit and you see that crack and the, and the light comes out and you can't help, you can't help it. You can't stop it. You can't, it, it's irresistible as it hits your heart. And that's, that's just, I think the conversations as they get elevated, um, you know, Michelle, you were talking to, you were talking about a story of the, the faces and it reminded me of time when I was over in Istanbul, um, in Turkey and just wandering around, I was doing some business over there and, and I was just wandering around the city and I came across, um, what's called the blue mosque over there. And, and I wandered in and, and, um, and then they're like, okay, do you want to go downstairs? Blah, blah, blah. So go downstairs. And, and I saw it was, it was, they just built on top of who they had conquered, right. Which was the Christians at the time. And, um, you go down there and you see the old ruins and, and whatnot. And they just, they just made it irrelevant. And I, I was, that's what popped into my head when you told that story is that when, when we come about, and that's what Sid's about. That's why he's my brother. Um, you know, why, why Lee, why everybody in this room is my family is because we are starting to understand that you don't have to destroy 
you know, physically, like you don't have to destroy physically the thing that's not working, the trajectory we're on. Um, we know that it doesn't work for the for the, the mo most of the people, sovereignty being taken away, freedoms being impinged upon, you know, all those types of things that it doesn't have to be destroyed. We could just build on top of it and make it irrelevant by loving more, by serving more, by, you know, these little cracks that we allow in here. I mean, there's a there's a. Uh, a certain level of anonymity that people get. Yes, we see each other's faces, but there's a certain level of anonymity that allows people to open up, I think, on this platform more than any other to let that shine just a little bit because it's not around the people who, I'm, and I'm doing quotation marks, know us best, right? We're like, well, I can, I can crack that open just a little bit here because these people aren't with me. They don't know the mistake that I made. They don't know the, the things that I've been through. They don't know the things that I, where I've dropped the ball in my life. And so we will allow that to crack open. And I would just challenge every single person in this room to, man, let that crack open even more and wider and deeper and let it shine even on the people that, quote, unquote, know you best because they don't actually know who you are until you are who you are. They know a, a reasonable facsimile of who you are because it's the mask that you've, that you've put on to make them feel comfortable and to make them feel like, you know, whatever it is that we do, right? We do most of the things in our life to remain consistent with who we were yesterday instead of being who we know damn good and well, God put us on this earth to be. And, and I see that, like, you know, it just is on my heart, Michelle, at the highest levels to let everybody know here that no matter who you are, no matter what you've gone through, that was creating and crafting you like Sid to run for president. It was creating and crafting you for your level of greatness, not my level of greatness, not to be fabulously rich. Maybe it is to be fabulously rich, not to be you know radically popular on social media. Maybe it is to be radically, but whatever that is, is just you accepting the call on your soul, the call on your life, to, to allow that to shine through and sh hell yes, it's scary, right? Because it demands things. It might, you might be, le you might leave relationships that you've leaned on your entire life. You might leave a city that you've lived in your entire life. You might, you know, you might distance yourself from almost everything that you know, so that you can become the thing and the person and the servant that we were meant to be when we were born. And, and I, and I just hear that in everybody's voice. There's so much brilliance. There's so much love that if we layered that on top, we would make what's going on in this world completely and totally irrelevant without a shot fired. And I see that. I, I just, I just hope that, that somebody or everybody hears this and then goes and spreads that because when you shine your light on other people, you allow their light to shine. No matter what that journey, whatever, no matter what that path is for them, you allow that to sh their light to shine instead of hiding in, inside of this crust, right? This crap of lies that we've been told and then we started to believe over time. So I just, I, I just, I, that was what was on my heart, Michelle, today. And, you know, you talk about freeing children and, uh, you know, and those types of things. And I, and I, this word peace, right? I, I, I irritated, like, Sid has irritated the shit out of me with this word peace, you know, but you <laughs> are in your peace when you're in your flow, Jason, even though it just feels fierce, man, it's still your peace.
right? It, 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 yeah, and I was thinking about that the other day. It's like the the most peaceful that I feel is right before, like, you know, it's, it's entering. Pastor Rudy and I were having this conversation two days ago. We just got off of a rescue recently. And, and the most peace that I have is right before we're about to kick a door open that I have no idea what's on the other side. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I am at most peace. My heart rate level drops. My breathing is so rhythmic. And, and I'm, such, I'm at such peace when I am at war for goodness. When I am at war with bullies. When I am at war, like when it, I am at most peace. And that is the, the light that, that was allowed to come out of me because of mentors, because of rooms like this, because of people that believed in me and said, Jason, you are not showing up as you should show up. You're showing up as what the world is telling you is supposed to be powerful and money and this and that crap, all, all of the crap that doesn't matter because it doesn't go with you and it doesn't stick in the hearts of the people that you leave behind. So my, it's just a siren call. You know, I think this is what Sid's platform is all about. What you're about, Michelle, Amanda, your beautiful voice, Lori, when you sing, you know, everybody that has has your special light, man. Just let that shit shine because I need you. Love you all. Have an amazing day. And, and we need you. And like, bravo for all everything that you said. I hope like you guys will go back and listen to the podcast so you can re-listen to who Jason is. Because Jason, who you are, speaks so loudly. I don't need to hear your words. I think Thoreau said something like that. Who you are speaks so loudly that I don't need to hear your words, but I, I welcome your words. And what I got is how do you free yourself in the deepest sense? You free yourself by finding yourself, by allowing your calling to come forth, by allowing life, by listening to the whispers, to, to that inner piece of you that maybe has lain dormant. And there's a book by, I think it's Harville Hendricks, it's called Receiving Love. And I believe when we are servant leaders and when, Jason, you are out there and when you are un, when you are lighting up a part of the wing of your mansion of you that has been hidden, that is when, and you're giving it away, that's when you are capable of receiving love back. So life is giving you love in buckets in those moments. And what I found so hugely powerful is that in the moment of the living calling, when you are in an intersection of the flow of listening to consciousness and universe and tapped into your awareness in that moment before you kick that door down, you are so fully connected, not only to your purpose, which is a huge part of who you are, but to all of you that's there in that moment, funneling it yourself towards that moment. And in doing so, there's space to actually connect with, I think, spirit. And so I'll just lay that down and pass the mic on back to Sid or Jason. All right. Yeah, the only Jason, the only other it. thing, Sid, that I'm irritated about, I'm happy that my Lizzie isn't in the room because she would have got your strategy to lower my testosterone level by crying, and, <laughs> and that would mean that I wouldn't be chasing her around the house so much. So 
I'm glad she wasn't here to hear that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Spoken like That's a man. Awesome. Spoken awesome. like a true man. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, to close up for today, I one, I'm I'm grateful for all the amazing shares and what I love about the reflection of myself and Jason, most people don't know that I'm at peace when I get intense, when I truly let out the warrior that's within me, I'm at peace with it because I know it. I'm, it fuels me, it drives me, it moves me forward in so many ways. And, and so the peace that I speak of is the foundation that gives the access point to love. Peace that Jason just talked about before kicking down a door. It's the access point to the love that he expresses when going to save a child. Most people think of peace and they think of kumbaya, sit by a fire, I'm on vacation, here's a moment. A moment you get to walk into the house of the Lord. Peace for me is my home. It's where I live. I invite you in and we are there if you really choose to be there all the time. No matter what's in front of you, that's the opportunity. And I'm going to leave this open. We may end up doing the next podcast on it. I watched a little boy come in to speak to his mom. And when he walked in the room, his mom was already ready for him. He was a kid much like myself, because I always put some deep questions on my parents, especially when they had priests and nuns at my house. And so when the little boy walks in, he says, Mom, I have a question. And she's like, oh, okay. And he says, so, what makes you think that when we're awake, we're not just here collecting data? And when you're asleep, the real world is the dream world. And when I heard him say that, it landed so deeply for me because I know that I know when I'm awake, I know when I'm asleep, I know when I'm dreaming, and I know when I'm in the deep space that nothing else is there. I know all of those things. So who I am is well beyond this earth moment when I'm awake. It's well beyond the dream. It's well beyond all of it because I can witness it all. So with that, I'll leave it at that. Who are you? That's the question. Thank you all for being here. It's been a pleasure and we will continue for many moments to come. Thanks for tuning in to Rise with Sid. We're excited to keep going with you. So when you're ready to make it for you, the commitment to yourself, come check us out at artofpeacefulliving.com. We are excited to continue to rise with you. We rise together. Real impact supports everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Rise with Sid. Peace.